Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Welcome to the Bear Grease Podcast, everyone. Take one. We have a great we have a great group of people here today. The Bear Grease the Bear Grease Render Podcast is what this is, where we talk about and discuss the past documentary style Bear Grease podcast. Hmm. I was asked recently why I would need to tell people that. <laughs> and I told the people that people come in by the droves. Yes, they do, by the droves. They come in by the droves, and uh, so we have to continue to tell people what they're listening to. And even more complicated now in the Bear Grease feed, we have Brent Reeves, This Country Life podcast. That good, All right. Living large, man. That's so much fun. Yeah, man. Get some good feedback, too. It's it's really cool. Yeah, so have... uh, You've done three, yeah. You've done three episodes. So, what were the what were the episodes about? Well, the first one was just an introduction uh, to me and just kind of like who I am. <clears throat> they would the people would have been a little more in depth than what they would have got just listening to me ramble on on here. Mm-hmm. And the second one, I think it was about uh, man. You got to tell me. I'm Pockets. drawing a blank. Yeah. Oh yeah. The second one was uh, also a little bit about more about me about the stuff that I towed in my pockets. Mm-hmm. And why maybe I why I do that, and the last one, the most recent one that's out right now, is uh, about turkey hunting mentors, mentors that influenced me that growing up and some lessons I learned from those folks and been really good, been a lot of fun. Good. So uh, a lot of you probably would have heard 
This Country Life with Brent Reeves. But it's uh, usually about 20 minutes long. It's a monologue. It's, it's a little bit of comedy, a little bit of instruction, a lot of fun. It's lighthearted. A tear every now and then. A tear <laughs> will stream down your cheek every now and then. Yeah. And the way, the way that I have described it, and maybe I've described it on this podcast before, if, if anybody had fault with the Bear Grease podcast, they could say that it's like a heavy listen, like you have to work at it. I remember when we first did Bear Grease. It's exhausting. One of, one of the <laughs> yeah, one of my one of the guys, uh, my dear friends at Meteor was like, I mean, it's like a pretty heavy listen. Like you actually have to, like it's not just easy listening music, you know, quote unquote. No Kenny G here. Yeah, and and I would say this country life is easy listening. Not that it's light. Is but he the Kenny G? You uh, ain't gonna podcast? hear any. No, it's like the Kenny may, G of Berries. You'll hear some Waylon J on there, maybe, but no Kenny G. I think yeah. if if Steve Rinella is the Julia Child of <laughs> the campfire of the campfire per CBS, Brent Reeves is the Garrison Keller. Oh, that's good of the Wilderness Podcast. Prairie okay, tell companion. us who Garrison yeah. Keller is. Okay, Garrison Ke- yeah. Keeler. Prairie Keeler. 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 Oh, did I say it? Keeler. Wrong? Garrison oh. Keeler. Oh. There's a pronunciation problem. Well, there's there. someone, <laughs> someone runs in the family. Runs in the family. He did a. Uh, he did a <laughs> spoiler alert. He did a radio show. <laughs> he did a radio show called. Uh, the Called Prairie Home, Prairie Home Companion. Companion. Yeah. Where all the, the Lake Wobegon. Yep. Yeah. Or, and so that's... that's Where all the women reach. are strong, all the men are good looking, and all the children, children are, are above, above average. average. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, This Country Life has been really great. So, yeah. Brent. Thanks, buddy. Good job, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you tell the guy that asked you what the next week's podcast was going to be about? I told him it was a two-parter. The first part was Nunyo, and the second part was Biz. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying. He was trying to get some inside information. Mm-hmm. You can go to prison for that. Yep. Absolutely. So we don't know what the next episode is. I I know what it's about. It's you gonna do? be good. Yeah. So uh, the, the guests we have today, we have Ben Legrone, who has been here several times. Welcome back. Long time friend back, of mine. Uh, former history teacher. Uh huh. Yeah. Current. Uh, Childbirth, childbirth <laughs> influencer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Formerly, I mean, we're laughing. Influencer. That, w- that would be like if I said I'm a podcaster and all y'all went. Sometimes I just tell people I work for the internet. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a Balance good families. Yeah, great. And to to your left is my wife. Dr. Misty Newcomb. There it is. There you go. All right. Misty. And I think Newcomb. we need to clarify. Uh, and not, not that I care and not that you ever need to call me Dr. Misty Newcomb again, but there's a lot of people on the internet right now that think that Clay Good job, got Clay. the PhD. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you made it look she so easy. Off of you, didn't so she? Misty made a post the other day. And the, what threw it off was the picture. We were at her right. defense. defense of yeah. her dissertation. And we were there with our whole family, and I took like a just like a selfie, big like, prominent. I, I was okay. the self, <laughs> I was the one holding the camera out, and so I'm up close in the family's back a little bit, and that was the only picture we had. Mm. And so Misty posted that and said, "I got my, I got my PhD. I finished it." And the internet lit up, <laughs> and my Trending. phone lit up. And people were like, "Man, that's so great, Clay. Yeah. We had no idea yeah. that you were even working." Here's on a it. prime example of how people look at that. When I was, I can't remember what grade it was in, but probably all of them. But one, at least once a year, a teacher would give you a test that said, "Okay, follow these directions. Mm-hmm. Start at the beginning, read them all the way through." You probably did this, Ben. Mm-hmm. 
and then do what the directions say. Well, like 15, 20 minutes in, I'm working. I read about half the directions, and I'm working my behind off. And I try to look, and three-quarters of everybody's sitting there staring at the ceiling or looking out the I window. I hated it when they did this. Or getting up and walking out of the room. I'm like, golly, I got to hurry up. And if I just read the last line was like, do the first three problems, then you can go. <laughs> but that I, did, I didn't do that. Story of your life. Yeah. So I always redefine felt like it was a punishment for people who were you know motivated and driven, like those. The I always <laughs> felt like the teacher was trying to trick us, like to yeah. to say read all the directions first, and then it was a mistake to do all the work. That's the reason I can't go to the IKEA store. <laughs> I am not reading those directions, buddy. Mm. You can get lost. Mm -hmm. Well. We'll come back to this. I just need to get through introductions yeah. here. I want to talk to you about your, your PhD and what it's in. Oh, okay. But to your left, we have coming back from, he's, it's been a while since he's been oh, here. Oh, gee. Dr. Malachi Nichols. That's right. Yeah. Man, he's one so of the original Bear Grease We're right. number, oh, render gee. people. Oh, yeah. It's good, good to, to be here. Malachi. Doctors. Wow. Doctors. Yeah. You have We're to schedule Malachi, like his people only let him come here like, like twice a year. He's and you have to get important. on the schedule. To, to get him here, but yeah. it's good to have you, Malachi. Let's talk about August when we when we end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2025. Yeah. August yeah, yeah. 2025. <laughs> and um, I, I'm still interested in uh, a boat partner. Hey, my, my boys are getting older that I would I would consider it more than a, really? a oh. minute. Mm. Okay. So you're telling Back me on the table. <laughs> All right. My, my son is like in love with the outdoors. Mm. And That's so good. let's talk. In November 2026. <laughs> <laughs> November 2026. Okay. okay. All right. That's cool. That's cool. And Josh Landbridge Spillmaker, who is now a boat owner and a captain. captain. That's right. Captain Landbridge of That's the SS great. Landbridge. What, what kind of boat did you get? Landbridge. It is a trout fishing boat specially designed for our White River tailwaters. Mm. 21 foot long, 48 inch bottom, uh, 72 inch wide beam. With a jet motor on the back. It's nice. pretty slick. Now what brand of boat is it? It is an AAF. AAF. So AAF was a was a brand of boats that was made in Mountain Home. Awesome. Um, yeah. Back in the early two thousand late nineties, early two thousands. Did your cool trout boat come with that flat bill hat? <laughs> nope. Yeah, you just got that. Hat sold separately. Josh always has the coolest hat. He does. does. I'm it's super true. jealous. It's true. And he looks good. It does. Yeah, I got to do something. I wear a beard because what's under the beard is not that great looking, and I wear a hat just to cover as much as possible. There you go. <laughs> well, hey, very nicely Brett, color I asked coordinated. Josh about taking his boat down to the big rivers of the South oh, yeah. for us to go catfishing. Sure, and he said he said he would do. Of course, it. really? Heck yes. Oh, we're in, man. Yeah. Hey, someone else got a boat. And that's Bear John. Yeah, our son got a boat. We sometimes talk about how Bear uses my Facebook account to purchase and sell items. And all my friends think that my, because he doesn't have Facebook. Misty's really into frog gigging right yeah, now. Yeah, really into frog. And, and he's constantly like selling machine parts. And it's kind of funny because the boat, I don't think, has gone out into the water yet. But it's been the focal point of a lot of activity at the Newcomb Farm, including with your son, Josh. Yeah. Almost every other night, there's a group of like five or six boys here. Or young men yeah. who are working on something on that boat. And we really thought it was going out on the water this weekend. And we came home and they were supposed to have taken it out. And the boat's just hanging out there. Bear told went, me today that the battery was dead. Yeah, there's always a reason. <laughs> and I think that they enjoy working on, I mean, it, it was a boat that came without a motor. Then they had to fix the motor that he got on Facebook Marketplace. Now they've got to charge the motor. I don't know. It's kind of, kind of. 
it's a trolling motor. It's just got a trolling motor on yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's big. A lot of, a lot of boat activity, Malachi. You better get in while the yeah, getting's yeah. good, buddy. Okay. Twenty by twenty by twenty six, you'll be you'll be it'd maybe be I'll like sell Wal- you my if you'd boat. have bought Apple stock back in like <laughs> nine, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. It's like where you could be. I wouldn't be on the podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like that, buddy. You better watch out because hey, I want to go ahead and make this public declaration. Um Brent Reeves and I plan to become commercial fishermen. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Oh, it's coming. Yeah. That's happening, huh? Or at least expert cat fisherman. Mm-hmm. Um, I am an expert cat fisherman. Okay. I'm not saying that I'm not. Okay. But I've kind of been delayed in my development for the last 20 years because I've been pursuing other activities. You mean like there's a cat, a professional cat fisherman trapped inside your body? Yes. That hadn't been let out yet. Well, he, he was out when I was in high school, uh, but he got put back in. When I moved to the mountains, kind of out of the big, just when I moved up here, I don't know. There's no, there's catfishing up here is not as good, but big plans for me and Brent to become professional catfishermen. And on our maiden voyage uh, a couple weeks ago, we caught a giant. Gigantor. Mm. Yeah. He was huge. Yeah. That's a 20 pound fish. Probably was. Well, you said 200. You said, you said 20, 20 pounds. Oh. 20 pounds. 20. Could, maybe. Well, not tell you. And you are a doctor. <laughs> it could have been closer to two. <laughs> hey, you somewhere between when you have and a fishing buddy. I think I think there's a lot of character in what people the world has just witnessed that I underestimated the weight of that fish. Oh yeah, trying to be honest. Yeah, you always say I overestimate bears by thirty percent. Well, that's the truth. But that's bears. We're talking catfish. Catfish. So anyway, we're we're big into the boat world and are going to continue to get bigger. Um, we uh, what were the other things on your on your list? Well, I get a lot of questions on my Instagram that, about banjo and whether or not. We ever sold them. Okay, right. And I just... The mule. Yeah, I felt like it'd be good to update everyone. Um, Much like I predicted, Clay did not sell him, despite his strong commitments to do so. Instead, Banjo went to boarding school. Yeah, so... uh, so He's in the Ivy League. in the Ivy League. First of all, cotillion. To give people a little bit of history, back... Okay, Izzy, the, the best mule I've got, I trained her... She's seven years old. I got her when she was 18 months old. I trained her in a six-week six period, and I, I trained her myself. And she's a finished, really nice mule, worth a lot. I had a guy come to my house a few days ago and ask me what I would sell her for. And, uh, and he was a mule trainer. And he said, no amount of money. I said, you don't have enough money to buy that mule. And I was being serious. So I'm telling you that because this is in connection. So, so Banjo is Izzy's full brother. And I got him with the intent of training him myself. My life was quite a bit different when I got Banjo in terms of the amount of time that I could spend with a mule. And so I kind of slow trained him. Okay. What, what, what I did with Izzy in six weeks, I did in like a year with him, which is not good. It's not good practice. You know, there was just, rather than riding him five days a week, I rode him once every 10 days or, or maybe once every 10 days, I'd ride him three days in a row. And I might go for a month without messing with him and then come back and mess with him. And so last summer, I started riding him and got bucked off twice, okay? So he he scared me, um, and it was my fault, 100% my fault. And I really felt like this mule had a lot of potential. He was really level-headed. 
He was a flashy mule, and it, I'm going to tell you why it's for sure a bona fide, like, stamped and approved flashy mule. A man that I'm going to tell you about in a minute told me this, uh, Brent. And um, so I, I asked my dad, I asked all y'all, you know, I think I'm just going to sell him. Because I, I, you know, pretty much a, a bucking mule can be like a biting dog. Like, if your dog bites you, you don't really ask many questions. You get rid of the dog. Um, a mule can be that way with certain people. I asked an old mule man, uh, Lloyd Holly, over here in Prairie Grove. And I said, man, I got a mule. He's bucked me off twice. I think it's my fault. I think he's a good mule. And he said, get rid of that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> and But I just couldn't quite do it. And so my friend Michael Lanier, he's, he was my squirrel hunting mentor and a good mule man. He introduced me to a guy in another part of Arkansas that is an Amish guy, mule trainer. And in the mule world, the Amish are legendary. The Amish are legendary for being mule trainers. And so for a, for a very good price, I took Banjo over to, to this guy's place. And that, it, the idea was keep, he would keep him for 30 days for a certain price. And he would ride him. 30 times or you know train him train him yeah. for 30 days every day every day and um and so me and my uncle go over there to, to and it was fascinating to me we pull up to this place and i thought maybe the guy might have like two or three animals he was riding for people this is like a this is like a businessman they, he had probably 20 to 25 horses and mules oh, in wow. stalls just wow. one after the other and he and his son and his son-in-law and I think another son, I think there were four of them that, I mean, rode and trained those mules and horses every day. Wow. It's just what they wake up and do. And while we're there, um, these people are very nice people. Uh, like this, Not big conversationalists necessarily, but I'm trying to sap everything I can out of this small interaction when I'm dropping banjo off at training camp, you know. And while I'm sitting there, we, I tie Banjo up, and there's all these mules and horses, and Banjo's kind of excited, and he's never been in an environment like this. He's kind of amped pulling up. at the lead rope and amped up. And, and I see two things that happen just while we're standing there in like 10 minutes that would be like, if that had happened to me, that would have been a big deal. I watched him put a – I'm, I'm, I'm probably boring everybody. <laughs> uh, I watched him put a horse on a treadmill. One oh, of the one wow. of the boy the young guys brought this horse over that you could tell had never been ridden and was just bug eyed and and they're trying to get it up on this horse treadmill and, That's the, and a they're thing? they're pulling on it they're pulling on it and trying to get it up in there and the, and I'm talking to the dad and he while in conversation to me just walks over like never takes eye contact off of me and gets right behind this horse and puts a lariat rope on one side of the treadmill runs the lariat rope around the back of this horse that's freaking out. Like, and he's still talking to me, just like, well, yeah, we got all this stuff, da-da-da. Runs it around the back of the horse and through another, or back back of the horse, through on a back through the treadmill and pulls the rope so that the rope cinches down and pushes the horse onto the treadmill. And he takes the tail of that lariat rope and just pop, pops that horse, and it just jumps on that treadmill just like, it was born to do it. You yeah, know? Well, he had done that before. It, oh, yeah. it, it was a beautiful <laughs> trick. Yeah. It was a beautiful trick. I mean, it, it, 
the horse training and mule training is all about confidence. And I mean, that horse knew that this guy wasn't going to take anything. And, and, and then directly after that, we're still in the same conversation. One of the young boys walks up and he's got a little, a young colt saddled up. And this colt, you can tell, it's just hardly ever had a saddle on him. And he puts a saddle on him and ties him up to a, to, to a stall right there. And the horse starts pulling against the lead, pulling against it like he's, he's, he's not used to being tied up. And he starts bucking and kicking and flips over on the ground, oh. feet in the air, just rolling on the ground. I mean, it's like chaos. And that that boy never batted an eye and just <laughs> sat there within about two feet of that horse. <laughs> the man never breaks conversation. Like, I'm like, does he need our help? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and he lets that horse do its thing. It flops for a minute, stands up. The boy never, I mean, I'm serious, he didn't smile. He didn't grin. His blood pressure didn't go up. And then he takes the horse off of the, off of the, unties it and walks it out. And he didn't ride the horse, but he just starts training. I mean, just like every day they see this. That's where Banjo's at. Wow. So, so, How long has he been there? And when I, when I was leaving, the man said to me, he said, Banjo will be on that treadmill by the time you guys leave. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I love it. I didn't see him put him on, but he was just like. It starts. Today. How long has he been there? Well, he's there for a month, and I talked to him, and he said he's really happy with what Banjo's doing. He says he's not bucked, he's not kicked. He said he really wants to do what what they want him to do. Uh-huh. He thinks he's got a lot of potential. Um, he thinks that uh, he told me he needs another thirty days, so I'm going to leave him there another it's like thirty. Like a chiropractor. Days. and i I, oh i went through the whole thing with him about you know well what if i took him and he said well how much time will you have to ride him and i said well i don't know probably not that much and he said well you need to leave him here and i said deal and then i said misty i said what will this animal be worth when he comes back from you after being under saddle for 60 days and he said clay he said that's a pretty flashy mule he's got white feet Whoa! And he, uh, he said speaking to your heart meal. right there. Yeah, he literally speaking said to your that. Heart right he there. literally said that. And he told me that they took a mule like Banjo to a big sale the other day and sold him for fifty five hundred dollars. And he said if I rode him for a year after I get him back from them, he said he might be worth ten grand. Ten thousand dollars. I should have sent that bucking horse of mine up to my dad. It's kind of like Banjo got his own banjo got his own phd <laughs> yeah banjo's getting a phd for yeah. those boys yeah okay that was a big story that's a good one that's mm-hmm. a good one i'm glad to hear that banjo's in such you know i i think i envisioned it as a little bit i envisioned it a little differently like just to be honest. straight maybe <laughs> I, mean, I feel like that's what we're in that's what we're I going on that yeah uh, it feels it feels a little uh yeah it's like i didn't realize banjo was in this much trouble you know that he goes to a place like that but it helps He's, me. Yeah, it helps me. I'm see. thinking about sending some of the kids. Don't <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. got a couple names I could add to the list of suggestions. Are, I love those guys. My so question much. is: Did the treadmill have one of those screens with a trainer's face on it and talking to it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what they like do? A, you know what they do? Mr. The, 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 the horse is running on the treadmill, and it's got big sides on it. And they throw tarps over the mule. They get up on the treadmill and sit on the mule while it's running on the treadmill, hmm. like on a mule that's never been ridden. Just because it, it, it can't get away. It can't fight it. It wow. can't fight. It's got it, nothing. Is so, it an electric treadmill? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like, what do they call that? I mean, it's a... It, Immersion the mule's therapy? What are it, the, 
And it, it, I mean, and by the time they're done, I mean, the mule like doesn't care. He's just like, well, I guess people can get on my back now. Hmm. So we had a, a, a interesting two episodes of the Bear Grease podcast that just came out <laughs> about, we call it our Con yeah, Man series. It's good. Um, it was, it, this all started, Steve Rinella was actually the one who told me about the book, The Education of Little Tree. Did you ever heard of it before? Mm-mm. No. Had you? Had anyone? Uh-uh. Jessica no, well, read it in junior high because she's... Wow. Yeah, that's Jessica. Junior high. Really? Your wife, Jessica? Oh, like independently. It wasn't like no, an assignment. No, it was in class. It was either junior high or high school. She read it she's class. a literature major, but she did it in high school, huh? Yeah, and that, but then she didn't know the backstory because she's like, yeah, I didn't really care for that book. But when I told her <laughs> about the author, she's like, that is really fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. So she read it. Had you ever heard of it, Malachi? No, never. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had never heard of it. And I, I think that it was on its way to becoming a book like Where the Red Fern Grows, kind of an American classic adolescent book. And then all this stuff with uh, Asa came out and it kind of it put a put a damper on that. Sure. It wasn't until 2007 that Oprah Winfrey took off the book off her book list really yeah it was on her book list for years and years wow originally when it first came out and was 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 people liked it even after the new york times article came out she kept there was it on a there. period of time when people just didn't know okay it just it just the internet was hardly there Social you know, in the mid 90s there yeah. just wasn't it it took a while for the world to kind of catch up to the book and that's when Oprah Winfrey took it off. I tried to get Oprah here today. Um, <laughs> she but, didn't respond to the Bear Grease invite? Well, no, she didn't. Well, sometimes but, these invites come out last minute. So maybe yeah, next like time most, I'm a little more like planning. Most of them. He opened it up with a, a hoot owl call. That's probably yeah. <laughs> Got the phone hung up. Montana Knife Company was founded by Josh Smith one of the world's most experienced master bladesmiths. He's been making knives for 30 years, made in the USA and manufactured locally in Montana. The knives come with a multi-generational warranty and free sharpening. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, MKC is a hunting knife company first and foremost. They have the sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen. And that is the dadgum truth. You better be careful with them when you get them. They are sharp. MKC is a fast-growing company. They just hired their 55th employee and are looking to hire about 50 more in the next year or so. I've carried a lot of these Montana knives, and the one that I like the most is their Speed Goat, which is a lightweight hunting knife, just the right size. MKC knives sell out within minutes of being released. So head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com. They have new knives for sale every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check their website and sign up for their text and email alerts. That is the best way to find out when they have knives available. Use code BEARGREASE10 for 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. 
Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Where to start with this one? So we, we have already talked about the first episode, but the second episode with Asa Carter. Um, who, who would like to start? Who would, would like it, to start? Would it be too early to jump in with some of the just clarifying? Yeah, go ahead. All right. I don't want to be mean to Clay, but... But uh, I actually, after, <laughs> after, I got my head on a swivel. What's yeah, that? Exactly. Did any of you find the pronunciation of the KKK? I think that's where we need to start. How would you say, Brent, don't say KKK. Say the full, say the full. Say what each one of them yeah. stands yeah. for. Ku Klux Klan. Right. Anyone else say it differently? I do. Uh, I always I, grew I, up. What are you saying? The clue, clue, clue Klux Klan. You do it too, yeah, Doctor yeah. Malachi Nichols. Klux Klan. Clue Klux Klan. It is. It's Ku Klux Klan. Most definitely Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a. And once once you listen to the podcast, Clay said he said <laughs> after recording the podcast, he said, "Hey, say." Uh, he basically did the same thing I just did to you, and he said, "Say say with that. How would you say KKK?" And I said, Ku Klux Klan. And he goes, oh, doggone it. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you say it, Clue? I don't say it that way, but I grew up in my mind hearing it that way. And and I think I was a teenager before I realized, I think I saw it in print. I was like, oh, it's actually Ku Klux Klan, not Ku Klux Klan. Ku Klux Klan sounds like something from a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense on your tongue. It's almost like they made a mistake. Like yeah, they might yeah. like later be like, oh, I forgot that L. <laughs> messed yeah, up the, one of many. The s- symmetry. Yeah, so <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way. Now that we've got that out of the way. I thought this was fascinating. Like on so many levels, I thought this 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 podcast was fascinating. I As someone, you know, I think one of the most fascinating parts of it is that the book is blacklisted and I haven't heard of it and none of my students have read it. Mm. That, that to me, when I just listening, really? yeah, listening to the, to the podcast, I hadn't heard of the book. So I, I like to put this kind of stuff and, and hearing like when I, when I heard the different excerpts from the book and what they described, it would be the type of book that we would love to, to read at the school, but it's, it's never on any of the list. Like when you, 
when you know you look at when you google blacklisted books no well i mean i don't google blacklisted <laughs> books that's not what i'm going for but but it's just interesting it's never on a recommended list and yeah. no none of our over the years none of our literature teachers has, have ever brought this up as a good book to read uh, a good conversation to have i think it's fascinating that jessica read it and they didn't have a broader conversation about the I, fact I that this man was a total few, fraud. Quite a few people reached out to me and said they had read the book and didn't know the background. And didn't know the... Yeah. And to me, that's that's wild. That would be a fascinating background to discuss with high school kids, yeah. especially. I mean, I would think... Uh, or college students. Young but adults. that brings up the biggest question in the whole thing is, does it matter? Does it matter? Malachi, does it matter that he wrote a great book and that he was this guy? I mean, yes and no. Like, I was rooting for him in a sense of like to to hope that he changed mm. at the end, mm-hmm. you know? Because I think just looking at people when like, it's hard to change when you get older, right? And mm-hmm. to see a guy, potentially see a guy who was so distraught with the world and so, you know, racist that potentially he would change. And you would so see... You were, you were thinking maybe I was thinking maybe this was guy be, was... Yeah. You know, he changed and so like a redemptive like, story. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. like produced this great work that was always in him. Right. So from that perspective I think I was rooting for him. I mean, I think it 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 doesn't take away the fact that it's a great book, but I do think you have to I I do think it requires a read and then a discussion, right? Mm-hmm. About the author. Because I, I I can't remember if it was in the first or second episode you um the first or second episode, you kind of asked, like, would you read this to your kids? Yeah. Right? And I think, to me, I, I think I would when they're older. To yeah. have that conversation about, like, can people who do bad stuff produce good things? Right? Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a deep question, especially regarding race, that you you yourself have to be resolved in to have. And I think it's a great conversation to have with kids who will be faced with, you know, People whose values or or the way they live their life is different than you, they that they might produce something that's good. Mm-hmm. And do you value that, or do mm-hmm. you shun it away just because of their history? It's I don't have the right answer yeah. right now, but I mean I think it's a great it's a great exercise to have, and it puts you in an uncomfortable position. Right? right? I think at the end yeah, the guy was way. crazy. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, the the. The hard part, or not the hard part, but the the question then becomes: To what level of scrutiny do we scrutinize everything? Because it's like I I I can pick up this book right here. Well, I pick up a book and name the author. Yeah, is that author perfect? You Can't know, be. yeah. Did did the well, author? If make you're picking mistakes? up the Bible, then yes, <laughs> that's about <laughs> the only go. one. I mean, so yeah. Then then that means there's a gradient scale because Ace's life was so radical and the 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 sentiment so egregious that we can say well for sure it matters with this guy because of how egregious it was but then the guy that you know cheated on his wife yeah. you know maybe it's not that big a deal or i mean i guess it's all and that's just an example of I, some I scandal guess, i think what makes this a little bit different is that he stated it was semi autobiographical well, he lied. Just, yeah, just another lie. Yeah, he just, I mean, but it's, it is an important one. When you, I think it wouldn't matter to me if he just said this was a nonfiction book or this is a fiction right. book. Like if he just said this is just a novel that kind of I made up 
then that wouldn't be very important. But the fact that he said this was like sure. his life story, that makes it, that that is puzzling and, and makes you have to kind of jump to, okay, this guy was crazy. Yeah. And maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe that doesn't make the book less good. But poor guy, he was really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the value of it starts at page one and ends at the last page in that book. And you don't take it any further than that. He, so you're a big death of the author guy. If if the end of that is the end of his, I'm trying to think how to how to phrase it, his participation in that to me stopped when when at, at the last period in the last page of that book. And I, if I, I owe that guy, if I read that book and enjoy it, thank you for writing the book. Nothing else matters to me as far as he's concerned, as long as he's not affecting me or my friends or my family or something like that. <clears throat> Which brings up another question, do, does that, you know, if that book is successful like it was, does that adversely affect me or my family or my friends? I, you know, I don't, it'd be hard to correlate all that together. But as far as him as a human being, would I sit down and have a cup of coffee with him? No. Would Could I read his book and enjoy it and end it with, just that participation in that piece of his life that he wrote out on a piece of paper, yeah, I can enjoy that. But the rest of it is immaterial to me, the way I mm-hmm. look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to be real chatty Kathy here. At the same time, though, does it, you know, he, his life's message was a massive injustice to a lot of people. Well, Asa Carter's was, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Forrest Carter was... He so wrote, we're just kind of acknowledging this guy was like two different people, and I think he was schizo. Yeah, I, I that's what at the end I thought that of the theories yeah. that was probably the best. This guy is crazy. Yeah. He's not. He's not well. Because it wasn't just. Think, a, it wasn't. Oh no, go ahead. Man. I was just gonna say it wasn't just a pin name, right? Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I yeah. can't. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't just a pin name. Like he picked up and moved his life. Yeah, and like yeah. talked to Barbara Walters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the last straw. <laughs> I mean, that's like some magician type of stuff, yeah, you yeah. know, like to live that type of life. You, yeah. you got to be drinking something in your tea. You know what? There's no, I tried to get the audio from his interview with Barbara Walters and it, I couldn't it, find it. it doesn't exist. Yeah. She, well, did, I didn't hear you say this on the recording, but didn't she say that was the she, interview? So, so Dan T. Carter, he, he told me that back in the seventies, the Today Show was so it, it was one of the best shows, the most watched shows in America, but they were still using tape. Tape. And literally would tape over the stuff they did. Oh, wow. Like, the week before, just right. like wow. saving tape, you know, saving money. And so there were no, there's no archival footage of that interview. But they said that, um, that he, he, he wore his cowboy hat and he like had his head down all the time and he, he was kind of, like when you look at back at it now, an expert would be like, "Yeah, that guy's probably lying." Hmm. But at the time, it, it just wasn't it wasn't seen. Didn't but she say she regretted that? I want to say that she said that was one of the bigger regrets of her her professional career because perhaps she wasn't ever duped like that before. Right. Everybody she sat down with, you know, they may have lied to her, but at least they were who they said they mm-hmm. were. And so, yeah, the guy was. That's what was interesting to me, it just it, for no good reason. But the guy was uh, was just 
he was super smart and was an actor and could tie stories together. I mean, he was kind of, and I don't want to use the word brilliant because it, it sounds like you're like, you, you, you like the guy, them, yeah. but he was, he was cunning and crafty. Yeah. Golly. Was he ever Ben? What were you going to say? Well, a couple of thoughts. The first, almost like a technicality, and this is kind of hinted at in the podcast that him having some apparently subconscious things that he respected about Cherokee culture, stuff like that. That's not as like contradictory to his like worldview as people might think. It, not, Cause he didn't write a book about a, a slave narrative and pretend that he was African American. Like, Right. Don't think he was, he could uh, consciously do that, consciously do that. But so as is a technicality is like sometimes people view like racists as just like this black or white thing. Right. If and, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, right. and actually I think that's actually one of the, the fact that people are more complex than that to me is actually the danger in how you might, how, how you interact with people that do have some pretty messed up worldview. For instance, like, People that I look at in my my childhood that I kind of respected and knew, and I look back, like I, it's not like I just reject wholesale everything about their cult, their character. Because, but I look back and I see how messed up their views were on race, and I learned from that. And my point is, like, people are complex, and you can, I think, you can in one hand like condemn something, and on the other hand, be like, wow, that's interesting. But I I think after studying history for so many years, I still baffled why we, we as in like society want to like venerate people or just like condemn every part of them. Or right. why, why do people get so infatuated with talented writers and musicians? Like who said anybody has to like this guy just cause he's a good writer. Cause obviously he's yeah. a good writer. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with musicians. Like, I'll start watching a documentary about some musician that I like their music and I'm halfway into, I'm like, I kind of can't stand this person. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I would not hang out with them. Like yeah. I like their music, but I don't like anything about them as a person. And, but it's just weird in us how we, how we try to put people on a pedestal just because they're talented. Right, and you, and right. you see that in history, starting with yeah. George Washington, who was as human as all of us. He's got like this godlike status in our culture because people don't really know about his entire life mm -hmm. and when you study history there's so much to take in you kind of are taught to categorize things pretty quickly so you can just understand it quicker and it's like these are the social causes these are the political causes these are the economic causes and these were the good guys these were the bad guys and that's just who they were but when you really dive into history read biographies and stuff you learn how complex people are and sometimes you find people are actually pretty crazy at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And that might have been part of the driver of their just like massive output of productivity or whatever they were in, whether it's politics or art or whatever. Mm -hmm. But people are complex. Mm. That's good. I think the what you said about musicians, like if we and Malachi, I'm not arguing with you. I'm the same way. I think I agree with what you said at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like we we it does matter what the mm -hmm. author believed and did with his life it's important it's mm -hmm. not irrelevant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at the same time yeah how many musicians do do i like their music but would really be deeply deeply opposed to the values and lifestyle that they live like yeah a lot 
but yeah. but I still would listen to their music and enjoy it. Yeah. And I think about you could apply it to like politics. There's a lot of politicians whose lifestyles do not match their voting patterns. And so a lot of people would vote for them because they like the way they vote. But then they find out how they live and it's like, ooh, yuck. That's different. Um, yeah. <laughs> actually the opposite of, how, yeah. of what you'd say. Yeah. And which one matters? How they vote, you know, and how much that aligns to how you would want to be represented in your government, in a representative government. Or, or their how personal they... character. Exactly. Yeah. These are complex, difficult questions. Lambridge. You know, it, it's interesting. I actually had some of the same thoughts about about musicians and celebrities i mean i i I struggle sometimes like with uh professional athletes it's like Mm. that are venerated yeah but really they're just absolute dirt balls Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) and because they have a skill and at the same time you can enjoy watching them play or you can enjoy listening to their music i i I, I, when there's a sports game on i only watch the good guys (laughs) (laughs) i do not enjoy anyone that doesn't have my exact value system i blank them out in my mind as they play football (laughs) but but i i think i would lean more toward the death of the author philosophy that i think Mm -hmm. that that you you know i think you can i think it also depends on your your worldview and perspective because I think there there is there are people who are very critical of everything that they see and hear and you know I remember when I was a kid we boycotted everything because you know and until I, I I got older and realized like there there is stuff in the world that that is not going to align with my values however you know scripture talks about being in the world and not of the world mm-hmm. and so we have the opportunity to to maneuver those things and still, maintain the standards that we have. I can read this book and not violate my conscience or mm-hmm. I can and enjoy it. However, do I agree with with Asa Carter? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? The man was a kook. Mm-hmm. But I think I think if your if your perspective is right, you can read that book and you can identify things inside of it that that are a beautiful because I think you know the prose that you read in in the mm-hmm. in the I've never read the book but that you read the the excerpts of on the podcast it was so beautifully written and it paints a picture in your mind. But at the same time, you know, we can, we can also, you know, I think we have the ability to, you know, if you have a, a critical mind and ability to read that stuff, you know, can someone who has such a strong philosophy about certain things, write in write like that and not there not be subversive or, or seditious um, things going on behind there, even, consciously or subconsciously that they put in there who knows but i i do appreciate it and i think you can read it you know what i mean i think probably thousands of when oprah put it on her list i'm sure thousands and thousands of people read it and liked it and you know didn't become racist (laughs) this guy must be a swell guy writing this book i I think i'm one of those people that like when you're watching a movie i and if it if it really impacts me i go and research like the people who wrote it and who made it and so i First of all, I think I would not have been duped. Had I known this book existed, I think I would have researched this guy. <laughs> You'd have found him out? I think I would well, have. Well, in the early years, you couldn't have, though. It's true. It's podcast. true. Yeah, it's true. But I think, you know, for me, like, I do get really connected to who, and I don't abstain from watching them in sports, but I actually care a lot about that, the the people behind the behind all these things. Yeah. And that, that matters a whole lot to me. Mainly just because I'm a I'm I'm curious, you know, and I'm I'm interested in the the person behind such a brilliant story. So I think for someone like me, this is like what this guy 
just totally lied and is completely different. Than, I mean, so that, it, it would have affected you beyond, and it, would it have affected you so much that you wouldn't have enjoyed the, the story? Well, I don't know that if I wouldn't have enjoyed the story, but it certainly <clears throat> changes when you when you read it. Sure. I thought it was really interesting when he actually interviewed the Native American people, and they said, "Well, this is." accurate but this part over here is mm-hmm. not yeah, at crazy. all yeah we yeah. would have never and it was like oh okay so he's kind of just writing like a southern guy who has observed some right some i kind of thought that was a little nitpicky though uh, really well kind of like steve said he said nobody had problems with this book at all until we found out who the author was you know steve said go back to the 70s and see if any anybody was saying that it was bad. Did they have any Native Americans interviewed in the 70s right. about what he, they thought about it? That I, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But I know that the world, and this wasn't coming from the Native American community. Right. Perhaps they had a response, and I'm mm-hmm. unaware of it. But you know, the world was venerating him as one of the greatest Native American writers in history. Pretty crazy. And so, I mean, you know, they, they weren't, I don't, and I don't know. Yeah. Have they fully. ever heard of Tecumseh? <laughs> Tecumseh? Yeah. Tecumseh. Tecumseh. I had a guy stop me the other day and say, Clay, it's oh. not Tecumseh, it's Tecumseh. Oh, that sounds a lot better. Sense. Yeah. You know, whenever I look at pictures of my kids from the past year or even just a few months ago, I'm so amazed at how fast they're growing up, and then it hits me hard. I'm getting older, too. That's why planning for my family's financial security has become a top priority. Making sure we're prepared and having enough life insurance in case something unexpected happens and I'm out of the picture is crucial. And Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to get the protection that's right for your family. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents and for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at Meet fabric.com slash bear that's m-e-e-t fabric.com slash bear meetfabric.com slash bear policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions montana knife company was founded by josh smith one of the world's most experienced master bladesmiths. He's been making knives for 30 years. Made in the USA and manufactured locally in Montana. The knives come with a multi-generational warranty and free sharpening. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, MKC is a hunting knife company first and foremost. They have the sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen. And that is the dadgum truth. You better be careful with them when you get them. They are sharp. MKC is a fast-growing company. They just hired their 55th employee and are looking to hire about 50 more in the next year or so. I've carried a lot of these Montana knives, and the one that I like the most is their Speed Goat, which is a lightweight hunting knife, just the right size. MKC knives sell out within minutes of being released, so head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com. 
They have new knives for sale every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check their website and sign up for their text and email alerts. That is the best way to find out when they have knives available. Use code BEARGREASE10 for 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. What do you got? This is a this is a technical media question. Oh, okay. What do you guys think about me reading excerpts from books? Like when like you're it. listening to the I like podcast, it a lot. I like it. Yeah. Yep. Do you go? Oh gosh. Here I we feel go. more connected to it. Okay. And I could say I've kind of I I I can say I haven't read the book, but I listened to it audio book because I did <laughs> uh, technically a little snippet just on yeah with just me. Some reading. people say you ever read that? I'm like yeah, listen to audio book. <laughs> you know, no, I, sometimes I I just you know when I'm making these podcasts, I'm I'm just trying to find a way to tell the story. And part of this was convincing people who hadn't read the book that it was a good book. I mean, that was what I was trying to do because I believed it was a good book. What I found interesting was um, was the whole thing about making money. It was almost like, it, I mean, he obviously never admitted that he thought he was wrong, but he eventually kind of gave up. It was almost like, lost the lost this war that I've devoted my life to. I'm just going to go make some money. Yeah. I didn't find that very shocking. Like, as like, that kind of makes sense. I think the most shocking thing is the extent he went to, to sell a book to like literally con America. Yeah. And it, it was, it's, it's pretty twisted, but also kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think of when, when Elon Musk uh, took over Twitter and they're like this, everybody thought he was going to fire everybody and these two random young guys got boxes and they started walking down the street near the office and fooled all these journalists into saying they got fired. <laughs> <laughs> they started tweeting and, and writing about all these firings and they were just totally made it up. Uh, <laughs> There's something that's entertaining about somebody that cons others like that. You know what? I have to say, and, and maybe this is a character flaw, but I assume that that if I pick up a book and it says based on a true story or something like that, that is a lie. That is an exaggeration. Yeah. Is, that that if I see a movie that's based on a true story, yeah, they made that up. They made that crap up. Yeah, yeah. You know, based on. A oh true man, story. you should see. I mean, when I'm watching a movie based on a true story, I basically have exactly. my phone right oh, there. Exactly. I'm, right I'm there. like or fact an, checking everything. I mean, who's <laughs> to say that an autobiography is completely true? Yeah. I mean. It's, it's my not. story. I tell it like I want to. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. this country life. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day they'll be doing a podcast about Brent. We'll be like, none of it was true. That guy was from New York City. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something this made me think Get about her. is my and and there's been several stories like this that have come out in the news in the last like five or ten years. But at our daughter's school, there was a woman who was like named to all these lat Latin like community service leadership positions and really worked for the, on the 
for the welfare of Latino people. And she, of course, claimed to have been raised in a Latin community in like, you know, some some urban area. And it turned out she is not at all Latin. What? <laughs> like, oh, there's wow. none of that. That, mm-hmm. And she got found out. She got fired. And they wrote a letter, an apology letter to all the students. And to me as a parent, I got this letter. We know you're disturbed by this. And it was like, this woman's been working for decades inside of this this community under, and some, I don't even know how they they figured it out. But it's kind of the same the same thing, except for in her case, she was actually. She's doing good. For that community. Wow. And it's it's like. That's wild. That's pretty messed up, though. I mean, living living a total lie. and Iron Eyes Cody. What's mm-hmm. that? Remember that guy? No. Yeah. The, the, the Native American. In the air 1970s. quotes. They're standing on the side of the road and somebody drives by and throws a McDonald's sack out in his feet. And he's dressed in full uh, Native American regalia. And he turns and looks to, towards the camera. And a oh, big yeah. Old, big yeah. Old tear. That yeah. guy was not an Indian? That dude was from Sicily. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, he was Italian. Italian. Josh's world that. is being rocked right now. See, I told <laughs> you. <laughs> are you going to start littering now? Heck yes. Because <laughs> you've been fooled? Hey, yeah. what did you guys think about uh, the... Were you surprised? Malachi, let me ask you. Were you surprised when you heard the inner, the inner workings of how the the white supremacists were saying that the civil rights move- movement was the communists being fed by the Jews. No. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I studied mm-hmm. that in school. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I think it goes, goes back to what Ben said. It's, I mean, this stuff is complex. You know, the, the issues of race and South, it's, it's really complex and there's no, there's no black and white. I think human beings want it to be black and white. Yes or no. Um, and it's, it's just not, it's just not so. And I think also, one thing that I was just thinking about Asa and just his life, I think everybody comes to a position of like making a choice, right? I think he probably had a choice of, of like wanting things deeper or like turning his life around or trying to produce books and just like letting the, the KKK life go. And I think he just made a choice to not do it. And I think towards the end of his life, he probably looked back. He was, you got to mix in, he's crazy and stuff like that looked back and thought, man, like, I wasted my time, right? I did this radio show and got kicked out, right? I supported, you know, Governor Wallace and then ran against him and lost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, his life is just a bunch of trying and trying and trying and failing. And then he just thought, man, maybe I should put my life towards something. And he produced this, like, great book. So, I don't know, very interesting man. It was you cool that he told that story. Somebody that was in the Navy with him. He said they'd oh, heard that yeah. story when he was young. Yeah. Before he did all that other stuff. When he was 18 years old. Yeah. He told that story. He told, so that's been in him for a while. And it goes back to that thing I said on the last render. I think people are inherently good because that's the only place a story like that comes from. And he just chose to be yep. a terrible person. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that was, I think everybody, I mean, obviously, the, I say obviously. I'm not a doctor like most of the folks in here. Yeah. <laughs> but or, a three ca- or a captain. Oh, or a captain. Three. Captain. Three. Captain. Now I'm Christy and Clay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, and I mean, a doula. It, 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 would <laughs> se- <laughs> it would seem that the guy had some kind of mental problems. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, he could have been a good guy. 
It's because that, that story's got to come from a good place to me. I've got a theory on gifting and 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 it's based on a lot of a lot of different things, but I feel like sometimes people who are like extremely good at stuff. And you know, they talked about every single good speech or all the it was clear he was an excellent writer. He was excellent. And and sometimes I feel like there's you're kind of teetering with like this balance in life between normal and gifting. And and like the more the more gifted you are and the more you go into that space and the more you perfect your craft, the less stable you become as a human mm-hmm. being. That's kind of a pessimistic it, yeah. worldview, but that's been my experience. It, it, <laughs> what you're saying, it, I mean, it, it made me think about, Asa Carter made me think about Bill Gates. And there's mm-hmm. a documentary documentary about Bill Gates and his wife is talking about Bill and how Bill is extremely smart extremely smart but bill is not connected to his emotions right connected Mm. to how he feels and i think it kind of connects with what misty says like you can put so much energy in perfecting your craft and doing Mm. these things with gifting that you lose a sense of humanity Mm -hmm. right you lose a sense of connection and normalcy and enjoyment and you know valuing people that you kind of you get warped and i think you mix that with like you know the deep racist, the deep. What there was a there was a story in there where he talked about he got removed or he failed out of a class, and yeah. like that immediately he got resentful mm-hmm. to that. Like you mix all of that, like the system being yeah. against you, mm-hmm. and you feel like oh this isn't fair, and it kind of twists you a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not can't be my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. gotta blame somebody. Looking for an enemy. I think working with with kids a lot. You see parents come in when kids are really young, and they want you to perceive their kids as gifted and really unique and it's like oh, i think you should really be shooting for average here <laughs> there's a lot of value in having an average kid there's yeah. a lot of, i yeah. mean i'm i'm joking but i'm also dead serious well because- and it's it's something that we've done with our kids i think is that we've gifting is being gifted at something it, it doesn't it almost, it's almost like it doesn't come by merit in a way and so there's things that you we we have honored character over gifting with our kids. That's the most simple way to say it. Because gifting will take care of itself. Yep. There's certain things that yeah. your kids, you are going to be able to do that nobody else can do that you didn't work for. You just kind of got it. Yeah. You know, like Brent and his beard mm-hmm. and his Absolutely. overalls. And it, <laughs> that beard's looking good, by the way. So you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and if you put too much of an emphasis on that, and if you go... Put emphasis on the gifting, it'll kind of pollute them. Yeah, and, and I think that there's a, a lot to be said for restraint. Just mm-hmm. saying, hey, I, I can go to like real extreme places with this thing. And you, you, you see this a lot with artists, with, and they get weird. Artists, musicians. Yep. Yeah, they just Racist. get... They, it's like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, but you, you, you see this a lot with artists where they, they just go down these extreme tunnels. They take on different identities. They become different people. And it's like, I bet it'd be good for the world if you were just like pretty darn good at your <laughs> hey, art and a really good person. Let, let me ask you guys something. Do you? Uh, I had a lot of people comment to me that they they were maybe not surprised, but they that's what they said that we could tackle this kind of issue on this platform. What do y'all think? You are just kind of like, well, of course we we're going to talk about this. What do you think, Malika? I mean, I I wouldn't say surprised, 
I think it needs to be like I when I when I think about like the Bear Grease podcast, I think about like taking you to the wild and it's uncomfortable. Right? And I think it's okay mm-hmm. to it's a navigate inside like, of a the metaphor. things that are uncomfortable. And I just think race in the South and you know, hunting and Indians and, you know, everything that's included, it's uncomfortable. It's not as black and white. Yeah. And, you know, you navigate it with, with wisdom, but I think you do gotta talk about it. Yeah. It's all just really interesting to me. I had I had one negative review. It's a one star. Yeah, yeah. He said, I love the podcast. I love all you guys, but this has nothing to do with hunting. This is an outdoor podcast. This is a waste of time. Like he just lambasted us like saying, like, why are you even talking about it? And I, I don't take much I mean, this is not we never said it was a hunting podcast. Right. I mean, no. honestly, if I'm interested in it and there's any connection to the natural world and this book, The Education of Little Tree. Is, was the gateway into yeah. into this story, mm-hmm. you know, and um, um, I appreciate that that we can talk about this stuff yeah. and not be not be afraid of it. Br- saying that, let's close on this one. What do you think about me uh, reading the Unabomber Manifesto? That's exactly what yeah. I was about yeah. to say. I was like, I I'm mean, not surprised we talk about this, but that subversive. feels a little bit like. <laughs> no, Renella is the one who 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 had to read. The Unabomber Manifesto in the same class that he read, the Education of Little Tree, and so the Unabomber Manifesto was in the New York Times and the Washington Post in 1995. So it's oh, not really? like it's not like this is bank contraband material. This literally was published. Oh yeah, in these places, and I, it didn't take me long to find that section, and I wasn't looking for that section. I was just looking for a section that. I could pull out that would have some relevance. And a whole lot of what he said, a whole lot of humans in America would agree with. Well, that's how those kind of people get followers. Exactly. Is yeah. looking for some, somebody yeah. or looking to identify with somebody. And if they're a, an orator like Tecumthith or how, whatever, how we just, yeah, however we decide to say it, that's how he got his folks following him. He was able to get his message out. And, oh, I identify with that guy. I'm going to start following him. Let's, we'll, let's go do some stuff together. Burn a barn? Uh, well, okay. I guess it's all right. And then it just magnifies from there. But that's how they get those folks to follow them. Yeah. It's it's almost like extremism is about the application and the solution to the problem. But they start out talking about the problem that a lot of people might agree with. And then they just get more and more extreme. Yeah. Yeah, it, it goes back to that thing everybody always, regardless of what the issue is, somebody ought to do something about that. Well, finally some guy says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll do something about it if you'll go with me. Well, I don't know. Josh would be like, i got to ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps me safe. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, uh, it, it, my point in reading that was to show I was qualifying what Steve said when he said he would have believed it if the Unabomber had wrote the Education of Little Tree. I was qualifying that statement, but the the point that I the thing that I also saw was that a lot of times being crazy comes with a lot of can come with some reasonable ideas can come you know it, it can it could come cloaked in something that seems seems insightful seems like well yeah. And uh, and obviously the Unabomber was a bad dude, 
Um, yeah, clearly. But there's a whole lot of that manifesto that's really interesting. But uh, yeah. Well, um, any closing thoughts? What was it? What was the the most shocking part of the thing, or, or your favorite part, or the something that really stood out to you? My favorite part was the church story, and that guy about you know him fighting for everything. I think that was in the oh, first the one. Oh, Coon Jack. And mm-hmm. Coon Jack, I got the difference right here on, under my under my shirt. Yeah, yeah. He showed him a pistol. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite part. Wasn't that good? That's that's yeah. good writing. I mean. Surely he just made that up. Like I don't think that happened. It it kind of reminded me a little a little bit of a Jerry Clower. What's his name? Jerry Clower. Yeah, Jerry mm-hmm. Clower. That story about the guy. Do you remember when you did the podcast on mm-hmm. him? And he the story about the. It actually sounds a lot like stuff that does happen in small small yeah. churches. I mean, yeah. like it really does. It, it, when I yeah. read, it, I thought, man, he saw that happen. <laughs> you talking, yeah. talking about the chandelier story. Yeah, the chandelier story. It reminded yeah. me of Jerry Clower's chandelier story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. circumstances around his death were pretty fascinating. Yeah, and we didn't we didn't yeah. get into it. Well, that was a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I felt, so in, you can get, you can read the book Unmasking the Klansman by Dan T. Carter. And, and I actually, I did that interview before the book came out. Well, oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So the detail and, and, and I had to respect Dan and I understood he just get, he laid out everything, you know, he hid nothing and he wrote this book and he's the world's expert on Asa Carter. And so when he didn't want to tell me how he died, I respected that and I didn't go like, look it up. But so we don't really know how he died. So can you tell us here? We'll keep it a secret. I, do, I still don't know. Oh, you gotta Dan read the book. The book, when did the book come out? The book came out in April. Like it's barely out. Okay. So yeah. we can all go look. I think we should respect. I yeah. think we should yeah. respect him. Yeah, I'll yeah. go. I'm I'm super curious, we, especially because he kept calling it biblical. Yeah, mm-hmm. which and is like said, reference Cain, Cain and Abel. And Abel. Yeah, yeah, what does that mean? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like maybe he had a worse brother that killed him. Maybe. Wow. I'm concerned about this family. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, uh, we'll be moving on to. Uh, Greener pastures on Bear Grease after oh. this one. The next uh, next episode is going to be really good. I can't tell you what it's about, but I can. I'm excited. I'll call I Dan too. Carter and ask him. This DM country me. life. DM me. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank all you guys for coming. Much appreciated. See y'all in August. Good to see you. See y'all in August. Ben. Yeah. Thirty thirty two. Yeah. 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 Hey, Josh, you know, I tell you, you said something about my beard. Yeah. I tell you what my grandpa said about it. The uh-uh. first beard I grew. Uh-uh. He said, that looks ridiculous. I said, why? He said, I would not cultivate on my face what grows wild on my behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I broke out my passport from 1994 and was show, showing these guys my little pencil mustache that I was really proud of back then because that's all I, could, all I could grow was like 17 hairs on each side. <laughs> like a hen turkey with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. 
Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order.